Welcome back to the staircase that leads to the dungeon of the castle of the wicked Gretchen Hexenkampf. Episode 27 The Fool's Pockets Oz, who'd wandered off just before Snook captured the orphans, winds his way back and spies his orphan brothers being paraded to the dungeon, just as it begins to make an exhausting climb up a narrow spiral staircase. He follows at a safe distance. Well, (laughs) as safe as can be expected in a witch's castle. And all the while, Snook details the architectural quirks and eccentricities of the Hexenkopf dungeon. Most dungeons, you see, are located underground in the bowels of the castle. Bowels is such a lovely word, don't you think? <laughs> bowels. <laughs> Their ascent up the spiral staircase finally ends, and it spits them out into a narrow passage, which leads to the dungeon proper. Actually, viewed from outside of the castle, the narrow passage is a suspension bridge that extends from the main tower of the castle to the dungeon. Which is nothing, really, but a vault that dangles precariously over the void. (laughs) An underground dungeon does have its advantages. Uh, Darkness, dampness, cramped spaces. (laughs) Uh, Yon, yon, yon. (laughs) Didn't you say that your dungeon was dark? I... Dank, too. And you also say... Yes, it has all those traditional dungeon qualities, but it has something else, too. (laughs) Something that puts it above all the other dungeons in the Whisperlands. You'll see soon enough. (laughs) A gate made of the finger bones of a giant marks the end of the passage and the entrance into the dungeon. The key. What did I do with the key? (laughs) He pats down his pockets, of which he has many. Two on his hips, two on his backside, two on his chest, and six others at various spots on his legs. And they're all empty, which is clear when he pulls them inside out, one at a time. Well, they're all empty except the ones on his hips. And the ones on his hips are packed with all manner of foolishness. From his left pocket, he pulls out a tattered playing card, six-sided dice, a bundle of moss, copper coins, links of chain, broken shards of mirror, 13 teeth from an assortment of creatures, none of them beavers, by the way, a few lengths of tattered rope, and a severed finger, all of which he drops to the floor. From his right pocket, he pulls out an out-of-tune harmonica, a moldy wheel of Gouda cheese, a queen and a knight from a chess set, a tangle of fish hooks, a femur bone, three spears as long as the fool is tall, with no explanation of how he stuffed them into his pocket, a leaky pewter chalice, a bouquet of dead sunflowers, and, at long last a large ring of keys. Finally. Finally what? (laughs) Finally, you found the key, that's what. These? (laughs) Uh, Well, go on then. 
let's get our eyes on this on this terrible dungeon you have. Don't be silly. These aren't the keys. <laughs> Snook the Fool drops the ring of keys alongside the flotsam and jetsam he pulled from his pockets and then shoves his arm elbow deep back into his pocket. He scrapes and reaches and searches and... Aha! I've got the key. (laughs) He pulls his arm from his pockets and pinches between his fingers the tail of a mouse, which is indeed connected to a living, breathing, creeping, crawling mouse. You keep mice in your pockets? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. Ridiculous in so much as Snook considered the rodent a key and not a mouse. The mouse climbs up its own tail, which the fool still pinches between his fingers. And then the mouse scuttles along the back of the fool's hand, along the length of his arm, up and over the wiggling cap and bells. And down the other arm, into the fool's other hand where the fool feeds him into a small hole on the lock of the dungeon door. The mouse squeezes in and the fool kneels and peeks through the keyhole, held in suspense by the mouse's locksmith. Oh, see, I told you it was a key. (laughs) Snook and the tuxedo-wearing bat-winged toads shove the orphans into the small circular room. Only... It isn't really a room, not in the classic sense. A room has walls, a ceiling, a floor. But this room has a wall, a ceiling, and part of a floor. Really, it only has a ledge, a forearm length or so wide, circumscribed against the moist, jagged walls. The orphans stumble into the dungeon, Elwood first, followed by Lump and Squish, then Copper and Gruff, and finally Zip, With hardly enough room just inside the dungeon door to accommodate all of them, Elwood's unintentionally bumped, and he tips forward over the ledge, certain to fall to his end. But Lump and Squish catch a handful each of his overcoat. Gruff, Copper, and Zip spread out across the ledge, which allows room for Lump and Squish to pull Elwood back to safety. Well, not safety exactly, but as safe as can be given the circumstances. And all the while, Snook watches the near plummet through the gate of giant finger bones, his paunchy little belly vibrating as he cackles, caps swinging, (laughs) bells jangling. Funny thing about this gate. It's not like others that allow for entrances and exits. This gate, so far, has been a one-way situation. Bodies go in, but they never... Come out! (laughs) Well, bodies never come out through the gate, anyhow. (laughs) The fool glances at the void in the dungeon, fog making it difficult to see just how high up they are. The fool pulls the gate shut. A moment later, there's a click. The mouse, that is, the key, then hurries from the keyhole back into Snook's hand. The fool shoves the mouse back into his pocket and takes a moment to collect his personal effects, which he had dropped to the floor. After that, he and the army of tuxedo-wearing bat-winged toads make their way back down the stairs. Oz, who's been watching the imprisonment, 
of his orphan brothers from the shadows of a landing just shy of the narrow passage, waits for Snook and company to pass. And then he scurries along the passage to the fingerbone gate of the dungeon. Oz, you dizzy drifter! I'm gonna get you guys in there. You mean you're going to get us out of here? But first you got to get the key. Aye, the fool's got it. The fool? Aye, he keeps it in his pocket, see he does. All right. If it's off the fool's person, I'll get it to him. On, Oz, on! And from, from! Oz nods, then shakes his head side to side, and then nods again. A gesture that's meant to instill confidence in his orphan brothers, but it has the opposite effect. He disorients them. And when a body is clinging, say, to the ledge of a dungeon, disorientation is not the best of feelings. Go, go, go! Go. go on then, quick go. now, go. Good, get out go. of here. The dizzy drifter heads on, or off, to secure the key. He runs down the seemingly never-ending staircase, stopping every so often to make sure he doesn't run into the fool and his gang of finely dressed amphibians. It isn't long, however, before the stairs split, one side descending one way and one descending the other. And of course, Oz being Oz, he chooses the wrong side. And soon after that, he finds himself once again, lost and alone and mixed up every which way. Thanks for listening. On the next Cobbler's Gulch... Forging an Age of Gloom. In the meantime... Think about emptying your pockets from time to time. Only a fool burdens himself with a pocket full of nonsense that no longer serves him. 